at Crossroads, we're diving into a brand new series today, and it's getting real. We're talking about what happens one minute after you die. And if I'm being real today, this is the kind of, of series that I, I really want to lean into. It's a little bit uncomfortable. You know, let's just be honest. We're going to just say it. Everybody dies, and everybody cheers. Yay! It's... Be blessed and encouraged today. Uh, the reality is we don't like to think about that. It's actually very difficult for us in our own psyche to think about that. Uh, they say that once you, you think about your own mortality, you're, you're really conditioned subconsciously to only think about that for about eight to 10 seconds before your body kind of forces you to move on to think about something else. It's a very interesting uh, thing about humanity. We don't like to think about our own mortality, and yet, what you believe about eternity, man, it greatly impacts how you live today. And I want us to just be thinking about that moment, one minute after you die, what is reality going to be? What is that moment going to look like? And what can we do to be really intentional about making sure that that moment is a moment that is a great one and not an unpleasant one? I want to consider today... Uh, that this thought that what you do in this life, it, it really does matter. I want to use an illustration that I haven't used for a really long time. And I'm looking at this rope. I'm about to unravel this rope. And I mean, I haven't really, I'm not good at this kind of thing. So I'm just going to kind of throw, I've been told by people I trust that if I just throw this, it will unravel. <laughs> I... I don't think that I threw that right. <laughs> you know, I was fully prepared to make fun of Corey Hepler if this didn't happen because he said it will unravel. But I have to be honest, that's on me. I threw it terribly. I don't even know what that was. Let's try it again. So good. That's so much better. Thank you. Uh, I've got uh, Taylor Davis, Justin Clements on either side. So give them a round of applause today. Come on now. They're, they're, they're worth it here. Let's, uh, if you guys just want to pull the other, I'm sorry, I didn't even make it to the end of the stage there. I'm just a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. Uh, let's have some fun with this illustration. This is an illustration I used to use back when I was a youth pastor. Oh man, let's start at maybe 2003, 2004. So this one goes back. This one goes back a generation. Um, this rope is supposed to represent the timeline for all of eternity, all right? Let's think about this. So we got Taylor going out the door. Just, just keep going, Taylor. Keep, yep, keep, just keep going as far as you, yep, so Taylor's just, she's still walking. Justin, just keep walking. Yeah, there it is. You guys are doing a great job. Look at that, I've got a knot in, it, in the eternal timeline. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain that. It's like a black hole in the, in the timeline. I don't know. We're going to talk about that in a different sermon, okay? So if, if this rope represents the timeline for all eternity, I want you to think about something. Let's think about this, this piece of pink tape right here. This represents the time that we have on planet Earth, all right? And it kind of puts it in perspective, right? All of time that has existed before our moment that we exist right now is represented on this timeline, this rope that goes completely out the door and it just keeps on going forever uh, in that direction. All of that time, I'm just going to trust you guys are holding it real tight. Hold it real tight. Just keep walking. Keep walking, Taylor! Okay. <laughs> so the timeline, it just keeps going. 
all of eternity. And it's hard to think about eternity, but we're in it. All right, you think about all these amazing pictures that we get from these telescopes that are put out in space and you can see like millions and millions of light years away. We are in eternity, like it does not stop. It is unending and all of eternity, all of time before us has led us to this moment. And this is our moment, this pink dot represents the, the time on earth that God gives us. Now, if you live in America, the United States, the life expectancy for the average person is now just a shade over 79 years. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's a long time. 79 years. I will say if you break that down, ladies, you live 81 years. Huh? How about that? Congratulations. Guys, 76 years. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, ironically, there is also something to be said about being right-handed or left-handed. If you're left-handed, your life expectancy for some reason is a little bit shorter even. That's me, left-handed, male. I'm in trouble. So <laughs> let's just say that that's your 79 years, right? These 79 years are this moment of, of eternity that we find ourselves in right now. Now, you can't really do anything about eternity that <laughs> somebody just walked through the hallway underneath the timeline. That just happened. I just I saw that as I looked the other way. This moment represents our time. And, and nothing can be changed about what's happened in the past before us. But this moment that we have, this, this little dot on the eternal timeline, what we do with this impacts everything moving forward. Can we just pause and consider the ramifications of that? What I do with this moment of time that God has given me, it absolutely impacts everything for my eternal future. And I think we are wise to consider that. Now, before we get too serious, can we just give a huge round of applause for Justin and for Taylor for helping. Thank you very much. You guys did an amazing job. I'm just gonna throw the eternal timeline down on the ground there because it served its purpose. Um, I will say, I used to do that illustration like for retreats and stuff. And then one time, all of a sudden, like mid-2000s, Francis Chan did it at this massive conference. It went worldwide. I'm just gonna go on record saying Francis Chan stole my illustration and <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. I wanna think about this though and lean into this, this idea. Because when we talk about <clears throat> this idea of, of what happens one minute after you die, Man, there's nothing you can do to change that moment once you arrive there. The only thing that we can do to invest in our eternity happens in this, this beautiful and sacred moment of life that God has given us. And I want to encourage you to think about today how you are living today with eternity in mind. What are you doing to invest in eternity? What are you doing actively and intentionally to make sure that when you stand before God one minute after you die, that that's a moment that is going to be filled with joy and, and wonder because you have invested correctly in your eternal destiny. I want us to consider that and think about that today as we dive into this, this topic together uh, because it really is important to every single one of us. Uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, this is Paul writing, it says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will all have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. 
We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. I love the temporary nature that Paul speaks to in regard to the life that we live right now. He's talking about our current life as a tent. You know, when we take this tent down and we start looking forward to our, you know, permanent residence, which is eternity, that's what he's focusing on. And he's even talking about this idea that, man, we kind of look forward to putting on our heavenly bodies like new clothing because we grow weary in our current bodies. Like we start to get older. We're not as great, you know, athletes as we used to be. And then suddenly there's the aches and the pains and, and the weariness that comes from life sometimes. And Paul's just saying, hey, sometimes when we get to those points where it's difficult, it's, it's, it's hard to navigate we can look forward with hope to this eternal destiny that God has prepared for us. There's going to be that moment where we look forward to throwing off our current body and, and being with God in our permanent eternal residence. And he talks about this. And sometimes Paul starts talking and goes back and forth. This is one of those moments. So hang with me because we're getting to a good spot. In verse 3, Paul continues, For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Again, he's looking toward the future. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. I mean, what, what Paul is doing here is essentially saying, hey, I'm focusing on my eternal destiny. That was always front of mind for Paul. Man, he would go through all kinds of trials and tribulations. Know, know this, that when, when Paul decided to follow Jesus, that changed everything about his life. He went from being an accomplished leader, respected in that religious community, to a total outsider, speaking the teachings of Jesus, testifying to how Jesus had changed his life. And that led to Paul leading this life of just being beaten and imprisoned, and, and everything about his existence turned upside down. He was tortured. He was thrown in jail. He was beaten on multiple occasions. He was in a shipwreck. His life was difficult to navigate. And so all the while, all the time that he's experiencing these difficult moments, what's he doing? Well, he's focusing on eternity. He's saying, this tent that I live in, man, it's, it's only temporary. I'm focusing on my future. I've got my eyes on the prize. And we can learn a lot about that from Paul because here's the thing. When we're living this way, like what do we do? We have to think about when we talk about eternity, what is that all about? What is my purpose what do I do to prepare for that? And, and that's what all of this leads up to in verse 9. I just want to encourage you to think about the significance of this verse. It seems really simple, but man, it changes everything. With all of this in mind, he leads to this verse in verse 9. He says, so whether we are here in this body, in this life that we're in right now, or away from this body in eternity with Jesus, our goal is to please him. That's it. I think we need to circle that. Our goal, my goal, your goal needs to be focused on, on pleasing Jesus. That's the ambition. That's the goal that I have, that, that everything in my life, it just, it, it brings a smile to the face of Jesus. That's the goal, right? That when God speaks to me, my, my answer is yes. When he challenges me to step out of my comfort zone, the answer is yes. When he challenges me to lay down something in my life that is a barrier between me and my relationship with him, it shouldn't be in my life. When God asks me to turn away from that, to repent, 
my response is yes. Why? Because my goal is to please him. I'm focusing not on this life. I'm focusing on the next life. I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to prepare for an amazing eternity with God. My goal in, my, in this life is to please him. And I want to encourage you to think about this today. What you believe about eternity, it determines how you live today. We all have this opportunity right here, right now. We are in experiencing the, the 79 years of life expectancy that, that God has given us in this moment in time. And what we do at this time that God gives us, it matters. It makes a difference for eternity. So what are you doing today to prepare for eternity? Are you investing your time in things that really matter? I think it's good for us to have moments like this where we just kind of have a self-evaluation to think about, all right, what am I focusing my time on? What's really important to me? Are these things that matter for eternity? Man, it's really important for us to have evaluations at some point and, and to check in our lives. Where are we at? How are we doing? Am I investing in things that have eternal value? I think it's important to think about what happens one minute after you die. And this is uncomfortable. Nobody likes to do this. The subconscious mind in you tells you to stop thinking about this after 8 to 10 seconds. And I have to talk for like 12 more minutes. So we'll see how this goes. Think about this for a second, though. Three things that happen after this life is done. Number one, our physical bodies die. And you're like, well, Tim, that is really smart. You are really on it today. Yeah. Well, let's just recognize it, right? Nobody likes to think about it, but our physical bodies die. I, studies have shown, let's see, where did I see this? Yeah, one out of one people will die. Um, our, physical, our physical bodies die, right? Like, yeah, we're all going to take our last breath, and, and, and then it's over. And in Hebrews 9, it speaks to this. It says, just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. What an incredible verse that is. Yeah, we are destined to die. And yet Jesus came to change all of that. He came to make sure that we could experience eternal life, that this temporary life that we live in is not everything that we experience there is more to this life than what we see right now. And because of what he has done for us, because of the price that Jesus has paid for our sin, we can experience this eternal life. What an amazing truth that is. And as we come to a close today, I just, I want to know, this is a spoiler alert, we're going to be receiving communion today before we leave. We're going to be doing that at all of our campuses all together as a Crossroads family today. And I'm excited about that because communion is that sacred sacrament of the church that allows us to take time to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. He has laid down his life. He has suffered and died on the cross to pay a price that we could not pay. And he did all that while we were still his enemies, while we were far, far from him. And so while we are destined once to die, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of us all. And he is going to come again to bring us salvation so we can have an eternal destiny with him. I don't want you to miss out on that. Okay, so three things that happen. One, we die. One out of one people die. Never forget that. Okay, two, uh, our souls separate from our physical bodies. This is interesting, right? Because my soul is not temporary. My soul is eternal. My body is temporary. It's, it's going to 
gets here for a few more years, and then it returns to the dust of the ground. Whenever we are at funerals and we're at the graveside, it, that's the prayer that we pray. We have this acknowledgement. It's from the dust of the ground, man was created, and from the dust of the ground, we return. And that is why we say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. While we, we give our bodies back to the earth, but we give our spirits, we commit our spirits to be with the Lord. There's two different things happening there. Bodies in the dirt, yeah. But my soul, that's committed to be with Jesus. There's two separate things going on here. Our souls separate from our physical bodies, and it's good for us to keep that in mind. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus addresses this. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Boy, that, that gets serious. That gets intense pretty quickly. Jesus is acknowledging something here that's very important. We've got to stay focused on the eternal. Because what I do in, in this moment of time that God has given me on this eternal timeline, it matters. It impacts my eternal destiny. And we've got an enemy. We've been talking about this at Crossroads. The enemy that wants a seat at your table that's out there trying to, to kill your spirit to steal your joy, to destroy your soul. He's doing everything he can to devour you. And yet we have the power and the strength of Jesus. We have the victory. We have the life that he gives us that the devil can't stand against. But Jesus is saying, hey, be on guard. Don't fear the, the person that, that can take your, your temporary life, your body. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. He's, he's being intentional here. Jesus talked about heaven and hell an awful lot. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about that. The glories of heaven. Man, what an amazing destiny that God has prepared for us. The horror of hell, this idea that, man, eternity can be spent separated from God. I think it's really important that we think about these things, that we grapple with these things. I think these topics matter. What are you doing today to invest in your, etern your, your eternal destiny? Because what you believe about eternity, it matters. It, it, it changes how you act today. I love this story in Luke 23. Um, man, Jesus is right in the middle of it. He's right in the middle of fulfilling this mission that he had to seek and to save that which was lost. He's hanging on the cross. He is, he is in the final moments of suffering and torture. He's hanging there just waiting to die. And on either side of him, you see in scripture, there, there is a thief nailed to a cross. And at, at a certain point, the thief on one side of Jesus begins mocking him. Jesus, hey, you saved others. Can't you save yourself? Can't you save us? Come on, man. Let, let's, let's see you do a miracle. Save us, man. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, it's kind of a, <laughs> what are you doing here? It's the other guy, the other thief that's on the other side of Jesus who says, hey, man, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you mocking him? And this beautiful moment occurs where he looks at Jesus and this is what is recorded in Luke 23, 42. It says, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Which is just a beautiful picture of the love that God has for us and the mission, the laser focus he had to seek and to save that which was lost. That in, in the middle of hanging on the cross and in the physical act of dying, he had the grace in that moment to look at this thief who just said, Jesus, will you remember me in your kingdom? I mean, what he's doing there is confessing that he believes 
He's putting his desperation, his last hope in Jesus. And on his deathbed, hanging on the cross, when he starts to think about eternity in that last moment, when he realizes he's got hope here in Jesus beside him and, and decides to try putting his hope in Jesus, Jesus' response is immediate. I tell you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. What an amazing interaction that is. When you take your last breath on planet Earth, your soul, it separates from your body, and your soul is eternal. And I'll tell you this, as, as advanced as we are in science and all the things that we've been able to figure out and how technologically advanced we are, what's crazy is that there is so much study right, on, right now going on on this idea of consciousness because no one can figure out how we actually have consciousness, like this understanding of who we are, that process in your brain that has thoughts and feelings and emotions that define who you are in your head, that inner voice that you have, that being that you are. No one can figure out how that even exists because it doesn't make sense scientifically. There's no reason consciousness should even exist. And so when we talk about this idea of, of the body, mind, soul, and spirit, your soul is that part of you that is eternal, that lives on forever. That's what we see in Scripture. And Jesus is saying, point blank, you are going to be with me today in paradise. You have put your trust in me. I've got you. When you take your last breath, one minute after you die, you are going to be with me in paradise. What a beautiful and sacred moment that is. What a, a beautiful picture that is of the love that God has for us and, and the place that he prepares for us, for those who love him. I just encourage you to think about that today. Our physical bodies die. Our souls separate from our physical bodies. And number three, and this, this can be a little scary, right? We will all face judgment. Man, it's impossible to ignore this because you see it over and over again in Scripture. I mean, we believe that the Bible is God's word for our life, that it gives us everything we need to live the life that uh, he has called us to and, and point us toward him. And all throughout scripture, you see this concept that there will be a judgment. We will stand before God. And there are two distinct judgments that you see in scripture. One is called uh, the great white throne judgment. And I want to encourage you to think about this because, man, it's uncomfortable but man, it, it's a picture that is, is significant and it matters. It says in Revelation chapter 20, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. It was terrifying. They were in the presence of the almighty God. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Man, this is terrifying. No one, no one likes to think about this moment. What happens one minute after you die? What does that reality look like for you? I think that when we stand before God after we've taken that last breath, I, I, I firmly believe it comes down to this. It, 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 in its simplicity, I believe this is as simple as it gets and as pure. I think we get held responsible for two questions. I think... We stand before God and we're held accountable for what, what did we do with Jesus? I think God looks us, at us in the eye and says, what did you do with my son Jesus? I think it's the most important question you're ever going to have to answer. Because if you put your trust in Jesus, he is the one who saves you. And what a beautiful passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for it is by grace, God's grace, God's love that we don't deserve. It's by grace that we are saved through faith. Our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus. 
It is a gift of God, not of works, not of anything that I do on my own, lest anyone should boast or be proud. But then it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are all God's masterpiece. How cool is that? I, I love that. I think it's a moment where you just look at the person next to you and take the freedom to do this wherever you are. Look at the person next to you and say, you are a masterpiece. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. Now, look the other way and say it again. Everybody needs to hear that. You're a masterpiece. And listen, I'm just, I'm going to put this out there. If you're here today and you invited that someone special that you're hoping maybe this could be a relationship, you're welcome. That was a great line for you. You're welcome. <laughs> you should be heads up. Who, who can resist that? You're being told you're a masterpiece. I, you're welcome. Uh, for you are God's masterpiece, it says in Ephesians 2.10, created to do uh, good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. Think of the significance of that. You've been saved by grace, not by works, but you've been created to do good works that God prepared in advance from the beginning of time for you to do. And so I think at the end of time, when we stand before God, one minute after I die, the first question that's most important is, what did you do with Jesus? And I think the second question is, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? What did you do with the time? Those 79 years that you were given on earth, the life expectancy that you kind of leaned into, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? How did you invest in this eternal destiny? I think it comes down to those two things. That's what we will be held into account for, but man, that's going to happen at a different moment because you see in scripture, the great white throne judgment, this is the one that's terrifying. This is the judgment for those who did not receive this free gift of Jesus. This is the judgment for those whose names were not found in the book of life. This is the ones who were not ready for that moment one minute after they died. The judgment seat of Christ is where we are rewarded for what we did with the time and the talent that God gave us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's called the Bema, which is based on the, the games back in the, in the age of the Romans where they were given the prize for winning the race. That's kind of the idea that's presented here. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things that we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. And again, it's this, this idea that we're saved by God's grace but we're rewarded for the works that we did. I mean, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's an amazing place that you can't even fathom. And there is this, this idea all throughout scripture that your place in eternity is based on what you did with what God gave you while you were on this planet. And so I just encourage you to think about that. I mean, what does that look like? Are you living today with eternity in mind? Because you've got this little blip in time that you can choose to invest in a way that, man, your eternal destiny is going to be incredible because you were found to be a good and faithful servant. You were welcomed into the kingdom of heaven and you lived this life that God called you to, that he created you for. And I'm fully convinced now more than ever that, man, when we say yes to Jesus, when we are committed to living this life that he's called us to and just to saying yes to him each and every day, I'm, I'm committed now and I believe this more than ever that not only is that the best life and plan for me for my future, for my eternal destiny, but it's also the best life for today. There's no regrets. There's no guilt. There's no shame. I'm walking into the life that God created me for. And I want to encourage you today to, to lean into that, to live intentionally with eternity in mind so that you're prepared for that moment that happens one minute after you die. 
I want to go back to 2 Corinthians 5, 9 before we close and just reiterate this point. Why all of this talk that Paul talks about, uh, the body being an, an earthly tent that's temporary, looking forward to my eternal destiny, because of this. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. And so I just want to ask you today, are you living today like eternity matters? Are you living today like eternity matters? Because what you believe about eternity, boy, it completely impacts how you live today. And I want to make sure, as your pastor and as your friend, that we're having conversations like this from time to time so that you can reevaluate, you can assess where you're at in your relationship with God and make sure you're not missing out on opportunities to invest in your eternal future. I also want to make sure that we're having a chance each and every Sunday to make sure that when we stand before God one minute after we die, and we're asked that question, what did you do with my son Jesus? That we can all stand before God and, and say, I, I said yes to Jesus. I received his love and his forgiveness in my life and I put my trust in him. I don't think that there's anything more important than we can do as a church family than these moments where we say yes to Jesus and, and give every single person who is with us that chance to say yes to Jesus for the very first time because Jesus changes everything. So as we prepare to close today, would you stand with me? And together, could we say this prayer? Because this is where it begins in setting the tone for our eternal destiny. This is how we know without a doubt that we can stand before God with peace, knowing that we've put our trust in the powerful name of Jesus. If your heart's racing and you feel like you need to make this commitment for the first time, I invite you to join all of us in saying this prayer together. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you, amen. And we have to give him the praise and glory because there is no one like him. He is the one who changes everything. And I want to invite you, if you've said yes to Jesus for the very first time today, uh, come forward after the service. Uh, Michelle, wave your hand at him. Come talk to Michelle, and, and she will give you everything that you need. We have a Bible that we want to give you. We want to help you take your next steps so that you can be confident in this decision you've made and lean into this relationship that God has created you for. I also want to encourage you to start thinking about what it looks like as we prepare to receive communion to think about the price that Jesus has paid so that we can experience this life. I'm gonna invite everyone uh, who's put their trust in Jesus to come forward and receive communion in just a moment. Again, this is a beautiful and sacred moment. It's a sacrament of the church that allows us the time to reflect on what God has done and remember the price that he paid so that we could be set free, so that we could have eternal life with him. And so I want to encourage you, as you come forward to receive the elements, we have people at the front of the, of the worship center here are going to have the trays. Here at Crossroads, the communion elements are stacked. There's two cups on top of each other. The bread's on the bottom. The juice is on the top. Take both cups and go back to your seat. And when this song comes to a conclusion, we are going to receive communion together. I want to encourage you, just in the hopes of keeping this as easy as possible, uh, exit the section you're sitting, sitting in on this side. Just go ahead and hold up the, the hand that correlates with this hand. Hold up your, you're going to exit on that side, yeah, and then come around and then come back in on this side. And that'll ease some of the chaos. Come forward, receive those elements. And as we sing this song together, would you just 
reflect on what Jesus has done for you? Would you pause and just give thanks for the life that you have in him? And take time to think about, am I investing my life in things that really matter? God, we are so thankful for this moment to gather together where we can remember what you have done for us and reflect on the price that was paid so that we could be forgiven, so we could be set free, so that we could live this life to the fullest that you've called us to. God, I just pray that you would draw us close to you in this moment, that we would just truly give thanks for all that you have done for us and take this opportunity to listen to that still small voice where you are prodding us and guiding us. And God, if you're talking to us, if you're telling us and challenging us to refocus and make sure that we're investing in things that that have eternal impact, that are focused on you, God, may we listen. Give us the ears to hear and may we focus on your voice today. God, we love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name, amen. I invite you to come forward and receive communion and we'll receive that together at the conclusion of this song.